I had no idea that it would turn out the way that it did. I yeah. thought that it'd just be kind of something that I do for fun a little bit, maybe pick up some business. But I mean, I'll have people call me up and say, hey, Nate, I haven't seen any of your videos lately. Like, when are you going to release a video? I'm like, man, this is serious now. Like, this is something so I you have call to me do for a video right or are you call me for a mortgage. Like, what's... yeah, what, what do you need me? What do you need me for? <laughs> the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. In this episode, my man Chris Kalinski interviews Nate Fain. Nate is a mortgage loan officer based out of Pensacola, Florida. Been in the mortgage business for nine years and has a really interesting story in that not only does he have 250,000 TikTok followers, which is huge, he's made $50,000 in commissions directly from TikTok in the last six months. And we talk about a few things in this episode. First, he talks about the importance of an elevator pitch. And I think Nate's pitch is absolutely brilliant. I think you're going to enjoy that. Second, he talks about how he creates content that's engaging on TikTok as well as other social media platforms. So if that's something you want to do, you're going to want to pay attention. And finally, he really shares about how it's so important to be authentic. You know, Nate's TikTok handle is mortgages are boring. And sometimes we get pretty excited about mortgages because that's what we do. But for the average consumer, it's not so exciting. So I think he's got a great perspective, very authentic. And I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. Check it out. What's up, Broker Nation? My name is Chris, and I'm your host for this episode of the I Love Mortgage Brokering Podcast. And today's guest is coming all the way from Florida. He's a loan officer down in Florida. His name is Nate Fain, and he's with Supreme Lending. Nate, thanks for joining me today. Sure thing, sure thing. Introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us kind of where you service and who you are. So my name is Nate Fain. I've been in the industry for close to, I think this is my ninth year. I am based out of Pensacola, Florida, which is in the panhandle of Florida on the Gulf Coast, but I'm licensed in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Florida, of course. So a lot of the southeastern states do a lot of first-time home buyers, also VA because we have a Navy base here. This is where the Blue Angels are stationed in Pensacola. And then also a lot of second homes and condos because of where I am geographically. Totally. So VA would be the veteran affairs, right? Correct. And then second homes, do you deal with anyone that's moving from Canada, let's say, down to the States looking to buy a second property? And I've had a couple of inquiries, but I'm not really sure I've ever closed one. So you've been in now for nine years, and I'm assuming you didn't grow up and say, I want to be a loan officer when you were a kid. No, so no, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be a garbage man at first because it looked really cool, you know, right on the back of the truck. After that, it was obviously, well, I want to be a mortgage broker. That was the natural progression. What was your journey, I guess, to get in the business? So you didn't say, I want to be a mortgage broker at the beginning, but how'd you get to this point? So I graduated college in 2010. I've got a degree in sports journalism nice. and a degree in elementary education. And so I you're using both of those, hey? Absolutely, every <laughs> single day. And then I minored in kinesiology. So basically how it started is I thought I wanted to be a gym teacher in elementary school. Then I did some parent-teacher conferences and I realized that I could not stand the parents. It's like, I can't do that. I decided to go to journalism school. I played sports in high school, college. And so I thought I wanted to be a sports journalist. Then I figured out how much that paid. Figured that wasn't for me, but I graduated right in the middle of the recession here. Specifically in Pensacola, it was a little bit worse because the BP oil spill had just happened. Right. Right in April of 2010 is when that happened. And then I graduated in May. There were no jobs here, man. You know, I had a couple of degrees, obviously, and I bet I applied for 200 jobs. Wow. So just could not get anything. I mean, I was applying to be like an HVAC tech, like stuff that I didn't even know, but, you know, very out of my element, minimum wage jobs. I almost went back to starting at a restaurant and bartending. I finally, I got my first job offer and it was with Regions Bank, which is a bank in the Southeast. 
Right. Then it turned out that it was a call center job. So like you didn't have to have a degree for it, but I did that for nine months, eight months, something like that. It was like nine months of learning to grind then. The goal basically was 80 phone calls a day. So you wanted to get folks on and off the phone and sell them something in five minutes. So I found out that I was pretty decent at selling stuff. I got recruited by what was Wachovia at the time. I was a banker in a branch for about a year, year and a half. And I got tired of slinging car loans and credit cards. Really liked the process, as weird as that sounds. It was very interesting to me. So after that, I thought, I think I can do this. And that guy that did my loan gets paid a heck of a lot more than I do. <laughs> and so that's where I went. His boss actually you know, brought me into the mortgage world and they both kind of helped me get acclimated to the nice. business. And then I cut my teeth at Wells Fargo slinging refis. Nice. And so did you have a mentor while you were there working closely or was it more like you're on your own? At the very beginning, I had a mentor explaining the very basics of it. But then it was really up to me to learn how to build up a business and get stuff done. So it was in the middle of a refi boom back in 2012, 2013. I was getting creative with how to find refi clients. Yeah. The way that I see it, like refis, folks that really focus on refis, that's a little bit more sales yeah. than it is folks that deal with strictly purchases, which I'm pretty purchase heavy now. So I cut my teeth doing the refis and then I went to another company called NOLA Lending, transitioning from refis to purchases because my business essentially when I was doing just refis was very up and down with rates. And so I wanted to have a little bit more control and a little bit more sustainability in my eyes because people are always going to be buying houses. Didn't necessarily have a mentor, just kind of had to figure it out by myself. But part of the reason why I'm at the company that I'm at now is the guys in the office I actually competed against when I was at NOLA. And so yeah. I thought, man, I could learn a lot from these dudes. If you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. I've learned a ton since coming over here. I like that mentality. You're just surrounding yourself with people that are just better than you or know more than you because that's typically where you're going to learn everything from is from people that know more than you, right? 100%. And a lot of folks that I know didn't really understand why I made that transition. A lot of the real estate agents that we work with, which we get some referrals from like, man, why are you going to work? Because now it's like this overlap. And I explained that even though I'm going to work with my biggest competitors in town, those are still not my biggest competitors. There's still the big box lenders, the Navy Federals, Wells Fargo, Quickens. Like if you pull up the data from that, they're still the top producing companies, even though they don't have a local presence in this market. So there's right. plenty of business out there. I just have to learn how to recapture it a different way. Do you have a quote, something that resonates with you that has impacted yourself or, or business or anything like that? The saying, your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. Completely changed the way that I market, completely changed the way that I think of myself, I think of my business. It's almost like you go from forcing it to, man, like I'm just going to do what's best for the client, what's best for me long term, but also I'm going to be myself in the process so that I attract the right kind of people. So I get to work with who I want to work with. And it's been a lot less stressful for me because I get to work with like-minded folks and folks yeah. that I click with. Can you tell us a story about something that you failed at and learned from? I played golf in college. I had aspirations of going pro like any serious athlete totally. did. Obviously, I failed at that. I've got a weird way of how I think of folks that are competitive. And I think that that translates into our business as well. So a lot of folks, they see, whether it be my numbers or my content, and they think he's not like super competitive, but he's just like pretty good at what he does. Right. Whereas I see people that are competitive, you know, folks say that they're competitive when they flip over a table after they lost the game of Monopoly. Yeah. I don't really see that as competitive. I see that as you're a bad loser. So I see folks that are competitive as they want to win and be the best so bad that they will work when no one else is watching. So to say that 
I want to be one of the best loan officers in my area, specifically with producing content as well. Hmm. Folks don't understand how much time and effort I put into researching how to market, how to create content, how much content I consume to then hopefully put my own twist on it. So that's like the competitive part of me is absolutely doing all that work behind the scenes there's always going to be someone that's way more talented than you. I end up being a better golfer than folks that are way more talented than me, but I'm just outworking, man. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. I've moved to a city that I had zero connections with, and I compete with folks that are from this town all the time. And that's just what I've had to do. It's interesting to say that because most of my business comes from social media. It's not just as simple as making a post and getting that business. You put in a ton of work into your TikToks. It doesn't just come naturally. And I'm assuming you're going to have some videos that, you know, you put in a ton of work into and they get almost no engagement. And then you put uh, very little work into some of them and they get a ton of engagement. So, but it's sure. all that behind the scenes stuff. Like you're consuming content so that you know what kind of content people want to interact with, right? You might be able to tell this, but golf is very important to me. So this has shaped a lot of my professional and personal life. But I also equate that, like you just mentioned, where if you try something and it blows up, then that's great. If it tanks, that's not so great. It's the same with a lot of golf. It's a lot of tinkering and experimenting. But what that also taught me as well is like, man, if something blows up in your face, you just got a very short-term memory. Forget it, move on, learn from it, and try to get better. What's the best business advice you've ever received? At the end of the day, my reputation's in everything. Yeah. So trying to force a, a loan in just for the heck of trying to get a paycheck, that's so short-minded and short-sighted. I mean, it's a lot of patience because, man, it's hard to sit there and like not absolutely try to force a loan through and try to figure one out. Basically, my time and my expertise is really valuable. Yeah. So I believe a little bit more in myself and I believe a little bit more in really scanning a client or a referral partner up front and really saying, is this going to be good for my business going forward? So this is one of my favorite questions. And the reason why is because I don't go to places that I don't hand out my business card and say, hey, I'm a mortgage broker. Hey, I'm a mortgage broker. I always like to try and get people to ask me what I do because it's kind of like that soft, like, oh, right. And it kind of starts that conversation. So this is my favorite question. You're trapped or you're not trapped, but you're in an elevator with somebody and they ask you that golden question. What do you do for work? You have 30 seconds to give them your elevator pitch. What do you say? Normally I try to start that off with trying to make them laugh or question what I do. So I just look at them and I say, I sell money. And then they're like, well, who doesn't want money? Yeah. Yeah. So then I explain, well, I'm actually a mortgage loan officer. I've been in it since after the crash. So what I've done is I've actually leveraged my education degree because obviously those two aren't related, but I've leveraged my education degree in really educating my client because at the end of my transaction, I want them to be able to do my job. That's my yeah. goal. I want them to know exactly what they're getting into and to do my job. That's what I do for a living. I help people hopefully buy their dream home and know what they're doing in the process. This is the part that I'm most excited to have you on the show because I've been following you now on TikTok for quite a while. You've been absolutely killing it. Either you have or you almost have 250,000 followers. You're doing an awesome job. You're putting out a lot of content. And so how long have you been on TikTok for? February 13th is my one year anniversary. Nice. My, my TikTok anniversary. Wow. So yeah, it's been a wild ride, man. That is so crazy. Before you were on TikTok, where would you say most of your business came from? Well, I built up a brand recognition via Facebook and Instagram. Okay. So You're well versed on social media. Sure. I get a pretty good amount of business from either repeat clients or folks that I know personally. And then I build a lot of relationships with referral partners via Facebook and Instagram. That's where most of my business came from. I mean, I've been doing video marketing for about three years now. 
I got tired of taking in realtors and builders and CPAs and anybody else that could be a referral partner for you. I got tired of taking them for drinks and lunch and everything like that. I came to realize there's a place for that. And some people are really good at that. I'm not good at that. I'm much cooler online. And also the reach for that is so much bigger. I can take an hour and make a video and a thousand people could see it. So to me, it was smarter, not harder. And nobody else in my market was doing that as far as a loan officer. So I had no idea that it would turn out the way that it did. I yeah. thought that it'd just be kind of something that I do for fun a little bit, maybe pick up some business. But I mean, I'll have people call me up and say, hey, Nate, I haven't seen any of your videos lately. Like, when are you going to release a video? I'm like, man, this is serious now. Like, this is something so I have to do. you call me for a video or are you call me for a mortgage? Like, what's... Yeah, what do, what, do you need me? what do you need me for? <laughs> When and what was the piece of content that went viral where you were like, whoa, this is huge? Well, so my first video, it was from a clip that I was going to use in a later Facebook video that I've not even released yet. It was me driving in my truck and I said, you know, you're from Florida if, and then it says you can drive in this and I'm looking out my windshield and it's just pouring down rain. Right. The camera comes back to me and I say, but you freak out if it gets below 32 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because man, like, I mean, you're in Canada. I just saw this the other day. I just reposted it. Okay, I was like, I just saw this video there. the other day. <laughs> yeah, well, so that was my first video ever. I think at the time it got like 25,000 views in the first yeah. 24 hours. I've had videos on Facebook and Instagram do really well, but nowhere near that. Do you remember that rush that you got when you started getting those oh, notifications yeah. that were like, this person liked it, this person commented, you're like, what's happening? <laughs> well, so that was like the first, I thought that that was going to be the first big one. Yeah. But really, I joke that I'm a one hit wonder. But so the next video that I posted, or maybe it was two videos after that, there's this old McDonald's commercial with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and they're playing a the game horse. I remade that video with my, at the time, he was six-year-old son. Put it on TikTok, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, put it on YouTube on TikTok, I posted it the night of the NBA All-Star Game. Okay. Because I saw All-Star Game was trending or whatever. Right. So I used that hashtag, used that hashtag like Michael Jordan, something else, hashtag basketball, whatever. Posted that and it got to like 10,000 views in like 30 minutes. I'm like, this is sick. So it kind of like bottomed out. I remember going to bed, I think it was like 12,000 views. And man, I really thought that was going to take off. I really, yeah. <laughs> really had some early engagement. So then I woke up the next morning and I had over a half a million views wow. and I literally woke up to 25,000 followers. Wow. Like I, I looked at my phone and I hadn't turned off notifications yet. I had the do not disturb on, but I looked at my yeah. phone and it was just all TikTok oh notifications. My it was wild. And it kept accelerating. So I think it's over like 4 million views right now, but on YouTube, it's almost 18 million. So I've got all these subscribers on YouTube now. So wow. this year I'm really focused on putting out YouTube content. So I tell people like I put one really, it's not even like a well-made video. Right. Just a very interesting and wholesome video, I guess. That got the ball rolling on yeah, two yeah. different platforms for me. Because you put out a variety of content. There's some really good mortgage content that you put out that's directed towards consumers, right? That talk sure. about first some home buyers and grants, that kind of stuff. And then you put out some funny stuff too. So you got to really keep up with the trends. So how has TikTok changed <laughs> your business? I mean, I could look at it very short-sighted and say, well, I made last count, it was like $50,000 last year just from TikTok leads. That was last year? Yeah. And that was six months. You know, I'd gotten a lot of inquiries and people started you know, asking me questions and everything, but I didn't actually close my first TikTok deal until like June or July, something like that. 
I don't know of many people that wouldn't take an extra $50,000 in six yeah, months. Yeah, totally. So the short-sightedness, that's how it affected my business very immediate. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's helped me have an opportunity like this to come totally. on this podcast. I've got a huge brand recognition now and it's insane to me, but it helps me build up my Instagram. I've got street cred and I've got brand recognition for when people call me. I'm the authority figure just like instantly. And people call me all the time acting like we're best friends. And I have absolutely no idea who they are. But it's it's crazy. um, Even with me, like I consume content and I feel like I know these people. I feel like I know you just because I consume content. No, yeah, I feel like we're homies. Yeah, I've seen your content. I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's wild. So yeah, no, it's a crazy world. So that 50K of business that you closed, that's also Mm -hmm. people that's now in your database that you can market to in the future. That's giving you good reviews. And you can't even put a price on that stuff, right? I've already gotten referrals from those clients too. Lord knows what the snowball effect's going to be from that. But in the long run, though, I think it's also gave me confidence because I sit there and like when I watch my content, some of them like, all right, that was pretty good. And someone's like, (laughs) dude, this is so stupid. How do people even watch this? Which is why my whole tagline and my whole Instagram and TikTok is mortgages are boring. I never in a million years thought that this many people would be that interested in what I have to say. Yeah. Because mortgages are boring. I didn't want to create content around mortgages because they're so freaking boring. Like it's just not interesting to me, even though I do this for a living, but there are so many people out there that are starving for that knowledge and for that information. Well, and people know when they're being sold to, right? And that's like when I tell people when they're doing videos, I'm like, don't tell them to call your phone number. That whole call to action in videos isn't really a thing anymore, right? If you're putting out content that they genuinely like, whether that's educational content, funny content, interesting content, as long as you're putting out something that they're liking, they're going to look at you as that authority figure, right? And that's what's important. They'll find your information. I messaged you and I was like, hey, let's do this podcast thing. People will find you, right? So Yeah. I mean, if you've got a link in there and what I've told people, and I do some social media teaching on the side, completely free, just teach realtors and other folks that are in the industry how to market on social media. They've asked me that question, like, hey, should I say, call me for more information? I was like, that is the worst thing that you can do because one, it looks self-serving. Two, it just feels weird. What I tell people is like, put your link in there or whatever you need to do and say, hey, my link's in my bio if you want to contact me. Just super casual, super chill. And honestly, this sounds mean, but if someone can't figure out how to contact you, do you really want to work with them? They're not going to get you their tax information. You know what I mean? Exactly. I'm going to ask them for all of their supporting documents. Like, how bad is that going to be? (laughs) That's like the worst part of our job too. So it comes back to your quote, right? The whole vibe thing. And and you put out that vibe and those are the kind of people you're going to get. We talked a little bit about the content you put out. What's your favorite content to make? And then what gets the most engagement? It's a challenge for me. I like to try to find either songs or movie quotes or whatever, you know, something that I can do a lip dub over to where I can make up a skit or use that and drop some mortgage knowledge. It's like really hard to do, but taking something and relating it back to something so mundane and so boring is a fun challenge for me. But to answer your question, folks say, well, Nate, you go out of your niche so much because I do make some relatable content as well to like millennials or Florida, or sometimes I just post personal stuff. And a lot of folks say, hey, stay in your niche, stay in your lane. Like don't venture out of that because it confuses people. Right. And I've got a little bit of a different take on that in the sense that I don't think mortgages are my niche. I think people are my niche. I'm trying to attract people. I'm not trying to just attract mortgages because if I did that, I would go about it a completely different way. I'm trying to build relationships and attract people. So 
you have to mix some relatable content in there to show that you're not a robot and you just want to talk about mortgages because that's going to be boring for everyone, even though they may want some of that information. I love that. It's been two years and a bit now. And I did a rebrand where I'm just like dressed casual. I hated wearing a suit, man. I wasn't being authentic. I didn't feel like it was me. All my content just feels better. I get more engagement yeah. now because it's coming off so genuine, right? We're not professional actors. <laughs> exactly. So like if you're not being yourself, you better be a really good actor. Exactly. Because it comes off as disingenuous. Yep. And don't get me wrong, like some people like wearing suits and you know, yeah, and that's fine, fine and, and do that. But for me, I get reviews now of people saying, man, he just felt like he was just a friend. And so I like the comment about you don't do mortgages, you're good with people, right? It's all about being comfortable in your own skin. And you have to be pretty comfortable to do what we do. You're having really personal, intimate conversations with folks about their finances. It's not a fun conversation. So I think ultimately it's whether you want to look more professional, if you think that's the kind of people you want to attract, but the people that I want to attract, I want them to like instantly just trust me. What kind of content would you say gets the most engagement that you do? Well, with TikTok, a lot of it can be focused around the trends. Ultimately, what gets the most engagement is it has to be super relatable slash funny. So yep. I've had a couple of viral videos that had absolutely nothing to do about mortgages, but I'm trying to attract in the millennial crowd. So right. I've made some millennial based humor stuff. I'm trying to attract that age demographic on TikTok. I don't want the 12 year olds. I want the yep. 25, the whatever year olds. Yep. Something relatable, something super informative. I've had some very educational posts go viral as well. I say viral, like over a million views, which- uh, Yeah, that's viral to me, so. It's strong, right? <laughs> But sometimes if it's really, really useful and it's going to take me a little bit longer to explain, I know it's not going to do really well, but yeah. I know there's going to be someone out there that gets a little piece from that. Right. So at a certain point, like I don't really worry about the content that I'm putting out there because I mean, how selfish is it for us to not reveal this information that yeah. so many people don't understand? I mean, it's easy for me to say when I've got a pretty decent following, but I really don't worry about the views that much. The way that I see views and shares and comments and everything, like, I really gauge my content on how many conversations did I start? Yeah. How many useful conversations did I start? And that happens in the comment section, that happens in whatever. But another part of that is the more content that I create, the more that this happens is someone, when I meet them in person or they call me on the phone or whatever, inevitably they tell me what piece of content really spoke to them. And sometimes it's a video that I completely forgot that I made. Right. I try to put out information about mortgages or relatable content to millennials because that's my demographic that I'm trying to pull in. So what you have to do with marketing is you have to market to your target demographic and that's what I've done. But a lot of these educational ones that I didn't think would do really well, they do well, but the TikTok algorithm likes something with some sound on it, some kind of music, some kind of lip dub, something like that. Right. So how do you take those conversations that you're having and mm -hmm. convert those conversations into a client? So this takes up a lot of my time. Inevitably they ask a question, so I give them the answer. I don't even know if I'm licensed where they're at. You know, right. so again, it's not like self-serving, but what happens is we go back and forth. I answer their questions. A lot of times I ask a question back to them, not only to gain greater understanding, but to get another comment from them, right. which trips up the algorithm. Like we've got some folks reacting to this. So it's more engagement. I mean, it goes back to like the whole sales training of you want to ask some kind of probing open-ended question. 
you ask a question back and try to get a conversation going. And then if they want to take it offline, they want to take it to the DMs to email or whatever, they can do that. My whole transition is, you know, after I've answered their question, I ask them, what state are you trying to buy in? Or what state are you trying to refinance in or whatever? Because I might know someone there. Right. If they come back with some place that I'm licensed, they're like, hey, I'm licensed there. And I'm super chill about it. Like, hey, if you want my help, link in my bio has my information. I don't say, hey man, you should call me. Like I'm licensed in yeah. Alabama. Like it's super chill, super laid back. People I'm sure like if that. I did a hard sell, yeah. People, I'm sure people know when they're sell, being sold to. 100%. I try to market to how I would want to be marketed to. And that's almost strictly purely education. Okay, so my last TikTok question, and I'm assuming when you've got the engagement that you're getting, you're going to have some haters. How do you deal with these haters? Well, so like the general public, the haters, yes. really know what kind of mood I'm in. Sometimes I'll answer back not attack them, but just really break down what they're saying and right. show them why they're wrong. Yeah. And sometimes like I'll just straight up expose them in a different video, show them how wrong they are. On those, I do that because it's something that I get a lot of folks talking about how we're living in another 2008 right. and we're all shady and all this stuff. Like yeah. that, that, <laughs> something that I get a lot of, I don't hesitate at all to make a video about just to prove my point and to show the other side of the coin as well. And then, you know, sometimes like someone will say something so stupid, I'll just block them or yeah. I'll delete it. I have haters in my own market. I have people that don't like me in my own market. And that's completely fine. That's jealousy. That's jealousy. That's, that's not hate, that's, man. That's jealousy. That's the thing. Like, so I mean, it sucks. Like we're still humans. Yep. You can be the most confident person in the world. And when someone tells you you're stupid or, or whatever, you're going to take it a little personally. Yeah, but you don't want to hear that. I've come to realize that, man, like they really do like what I do and they're mad that they can't do it themselves. Yeah. It's because it's so, hard to replicate. It's it's hard it to do what you're doing because like you said, it takes a lot of behind the scenes work. You're putting in the time that's out of business hours. You know what I mean? You're creating all this content. If it was easy to do, everyone would be doing it, you know? And it's not only that, but it takes a pretty good amount of courage to put yourself out there. I get the same excuses from realtors and other lenders and insurance folks that they don't want to video market because they don't like how they sound. They don't like how they look. Right. I'm just like a redneck with a terrible hairline. <laughs> like I'm not the prettiest guy in the world. I sound like I'm from the backwoods to some folks, but like I still put myself on because that's me. Like, yeah. you know, if I see you in person, you're going to see me. Yeah. So why not go ahead and get that warm transition to where you've seen me already and then that's you you know, the best thing that I get is like when I meet someone in person is inevitably they say, man, you're a little taller and a little skinnier than I thought you'd be. And like, okay, well, camera has 10 pounds or whatever. But like, that, That's that, like seeing those realtors or mortgage brokers or whoever, industry people with yep. pictures from 15 years ago right. that they're still marketing. Oh. Like, oh my yeah. God, get some new pictures. <laughs> exactly. Got the old mug shots up there. So what I'm hearing is you're fighting the haters pretty much by either blocking them if it gets too bad yeah. or educating them. That's pretty much... Yep what you're doing. And sometimes when I educate them, one of the first things you can do to like a hater or a troll is to come off as completely unbothered. Yes. So a lot of times I will answer back knowing that they mean something very condescendingly or very sarcastic. And I'll answer back as if I'm so tone deaf that I don't even understand that they're insulting me. <laughs> and then they're like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? And yeah, then yeah. they either just go away or it's to the point now where some of my followers will actually jump in and start defending me. So I've like, seen that. sometime at this point, <laughs> 
just like, okay, y'all take care of it. I don't even have to do anything. Yeah. So systems and processes. This is what I like mm-hmm. to talk about because no successful loan officer or mortgage broker can get through doing business without something in place, some sort of systems or processes or teams or anything like that. So are you a part of a team? Do you have a team? Do you have an assistant? Anything like that? I've got an assistant and I've got a processor and they both are my superheroes. I'm not going to say they run my business because I run my business as I set it up, but, but they run uh, the your best. Business. <laughs> right. You know, I do the initial consultation and I'm there like if something starts catching on fire, but the reason that I'm at the company that I'm at, and this is the setup that I've always wanted to where the assistant and the processor, they take it to the finish line. Yeah, I've absolutely. done all of my homework and my work up front mm-hmm. to where now I'm just getting pulled back in if there's a problem. The hardest part in my opinion about this business is getting the business in the door. That's the hardest part for every mortgage <laughs> broker, right? Eventually it does get to be a lot easier with referrals and past clients, that kind of stuff, right? And it's at that time where you got to have something in place because eventually, you know, if you're good at what you do, you're going to hit a point where you need those people processing things behind the scenes for you and, and helping support you along the way. And one of the stands that I've taken is that <clears throat> I used to do a lot of phone applications. So I would take the application over the phone and then I would go enter it somewhere. Man, that could take 30 minutes. Yep. And I did this kind of as a necessity as my business started picking up, but like, I don't have time to do that anymore. And quite frankly, like, I don't want to do that. So I've stood pretty hard and firm that if you want to get a mortgage through me, I need you to fill out an online application. Yes. It saves me time. It makes sure that your name's spelled right, hopefully. I send out initial disclosures like, hey, this is wrong. Like, homie, you filled it out. I need them to show me that they want to work for it a little bit too. But also it clears up my schedule so that I can go and make more content, which in turn leads to more business. I think that was the best thing about COVID for me. It's so much more acceptable now to not meet my clients Mm face-to-face anymore. And so now I've integrated an application into my deal origination system that we submit to lenders. It's so seamless. I send them the link. I have a template. I use Gmail as my backend. I just send out a templated email. I ask for everything up front. It shaved so many hours per deal off my life. I've gotten some little tricks here and there and one of them is using shortcuts on your phone or using shortcuts on like Outlook. You know, I say, here's the link for the application and it creates a hyperlink and it sends you the link like just like that. So I type it in two seconds. Same thing on my phone. It's little things like that. Okay, well, you save 10 seconds there. Yeah, like if I, exactly. If I do that 30 times in a month, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what, five minutes? Five minutes in this industry can be a lot when we were working 60 hours a week. Do you manage your own leads or do you have like a system in place that keeps track of them? Email marketing, that kind of stuff. What kind of systems do you have behind the scenes? We've got a CRM that we use uh, top of mind. So as soon as someone applies, they're now entered into our CRM. So as soon as they apply, they get an email back. This is not from our CRM. This is just from like our system. And it says, hey, thanks for applying. You'll be contacted by a loan officer shortly. That goes out instantly, which I think is really nice because it shows the client that, hey, I didn't just send my information off into cyberspace and no one's looking at it. Right. And then we've got the CRM that every little checkpoint, it sends out a little email, does it for me, which is really nice. Now, my OneDrive, it lags by about 12 hours. So sometimes I will jump the gun and update a client or a realtor or whatever, and the lagging email will come behind it. You know, you would rather do that than under communicate. My process is pretty simple. They apply, I have my assistant pull it in, I have my assistant pull credit. She gets it ready for me to run DU or LP or whatever it is. And then I hop in and I take a look at it. I make sure income's looking right. See if there's any red flags that I can see. And then I run to you. Nice. So now rapid fire questions. What's yeah. one program or app that you just can't live without? Obviously TikTok is in there, but what's something sure. else that you just can't live without? The Carl's mortgage calculator. I can calculate payments and stuff on the fly. Nice. 
If you were given $100,000 to allocate to marketing, how would you spend that 100K? I would have someone that could video me and edit my content full-time. $50,000 is going to that. $50,000 is going for another assistant. What book would you recommend? This is going to sound crazy, but I recommend because it comes up so much and it might just be where I live. I recommend folks read Dave Ramsey, anything he's written, because a lot of folks have read that. Right. So you need to either know how to counteract some of the crazy things that he says or positively reinforce some of the <clears throat> smart things that he says, because he does have some good points out there. But I think also one thing that he has taught that I've learned in this industry, because our income fluctuates so much, is you got to act your wage and you got to live below your means. Right. I very much don't live how much I get paid. And I'm completely fine with that because Lord knows what I'm going to make this year. Exactly. We never know. When COVID first happened, I was like, if people aren't working, people aren't yep. going to be buying houses. And then the exact opposite happened for some reason. Yeah. But. <laughs> we went from like the panic button being pressed to, okay, now I've got a different panic button being pressed because <laughs> yeah. I've got so much business. I don't know what to do with it. You know? Exactly. What's one thing that's holding back mortgage brokers and loan officers from being successful? We've touched on this a few times. I think the old school self-promotion, I just think it's dead. I think there's such a small percentage of people that actually react to that the way that you want them to. Being unselfish enough to not try to close every freaking deal to where you're just giving out free information. Right. Like I promise you, people will come back. To That's you. what I do. It, Give out free information. People want this information. They need to know where to find it. You'll come off as the authority. You'll come off as sure. knowing what you're talking about and they'll just trust you. Like that's just and how you, it works. Inevitably what happens is when they come to you, you have to sell even less to them. You're not an unfamiliar face to them anymore. You're not right. a stranger calling up for a mortgage. Good point. What would you say your pet peeve is about our industry? It might be a little different being that you're down south and we're up in Canada, but what would your pet peeve be? So I don't know how this works in Canada, but my absolute biggest pet peeve, I think it should be completely illegal to advertise a rate on the internet, the radio, on TV, on anything that has a single ounce of discount points on it. It's a little different down there because down there you can advertise low rates, but then kick in mm -hmm. fees. You have to pay fees to the lender, right? Correct. One of the biggest lenders in our area, in our country, they're like the Walmart. They've got Super Bowl commercials. They're, they're on every single... Right. commercial break their own radio it's a very household name where i work at supreme lending unless you're in the industry most people do not know who supreme lending is they have this household name they take advantage of it in my eyes by then offering a really low rate because people are so rate conscious and the low rate comes with a ton of fees now technically it's legal because they have right. the disclosure on there like they're right. not breaking the rules i just think it's a really crappy practice because i then have to debunk that and it's now me versus a multi-billion dollar company and all the money that they pump into marketing so it's really hard to kind of overcome that but the people that do get it, they're very appreciative of it. This is what I say to all my clients now is I say, do you want the lowest rate or do you want to save the most money? Because those two things are not always synonymous. I'm 1000% <laughs> stealing that. <laughs> Love on. that line. Last question. So Scott Peckford, he's the guy that started this show six or seven years ago. It's his famous question. He calls it his DeLorean question. If you could travel back in time to the first day that you started as a loan officer, what three things would you tell yourself? Start creating content. Think of the long game. I'd be doing a lot less of trying to find loans and trying to squeeze loans. That was such a time waster back in the day for me. Totally. Like, you know if it's a deal or not, usually within the first five minutes. Stop trying to force it. Stop trying to be the hero. Get them out of your life. Third, 
if I had heard the whole saying of your vibe attracts your tribe, if that really was like a super empowering thing for me and it really reinforced, I'm just not going to be the guy for everybody. I think it's important to accept that not everybody's going to like you. You cannot be the mortgage loan officer for everybody. So just let it happen naturally. I love it. Nate, thank you very much for being a part of the show. I had a lot of fun Mm -hmm. chatting with you and asking you some questions. Personally, I think TikTok is amazing. I love consuming content. It's actually fun to make content too. So thank you very much for sharing your information on there. And I know you're absolutely killing it on TikTok. Where can people find you? Go on TikTok or Instagram at mortgages.r.boring. Or you can go to mortgagesorboring.com. There you go. Thank you again, Nate. I look forward to chatting with you soon. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.